0: On January 22, 1987, a blizzard crippled the New York, New Jersey area, but the storm did not stop the NHL's Calgary Flames and New Jersey Devils from playing a regular season game. Hi, I'm Chris May, writer, producer, and host of This Day in Weather History, now in its second year from the weather network in Canada. And it sure did not stop the 334 fans who absolutely positively had to be there at that game. This Day in Weather History. Hockey fans are diehards. Look at it just on the surface of things. You have to pay a large sum of money to drive in winter weather to go sit in a seat in a building whose sole purpose is to make sure that the ice doesn't melt. The game between the Calgary Flames and the New Jersey Devils on January 22nd of 87 wasn't expected at all to be a historic affair. But when close to two feet of snow drops in on the tri-state area, it's enough to turn the ordinary into the extraordinary pretty fast. It actually paved the way for what turned into one of the most unusual evenings in the history of the National Hockey League. The Devils paid attendance for this night's game was pegged at 11,247 fans. What that means is, this is the number of actual tickets that were sold for the game. But the snow was just too much and too fast and made conditions too dangerous for anyone to safely venture out to the arena that night. Well, of course, except for the 334 individuals who had to have either been in the arena already or around the corner in the area all day. The horrendous conditions snarled up traffic into a pretzel and that not only prevented fans but also staff, officials, and players from getting to the arena on time or at all. The 334 in attendance, pre-COVID, is still said to be the lowest in modern NHL history. So let's look at this arena now. Its seating capacity is 20,000. Hold on a second, let's back this up. (laughs) Where was it in my script here? Oh, there were 11,247 fans in an arena that seats 20,000. That sounds like a typical New Jersey Devils night, yet a measly 334 showed up. The seating optics looked so sparse the public relations staff members from the Devils went around and got the names and addresses of each individual spectator. (laughs) I don't think they even broke a sweat doing it. It was just such a cool opportunity to do something special for those who made it to cheer on their team. Jeff Mazzi was a spectator at the game that night and told Sportsnet.ca, and I quote, Someone from the Devils came around with a yellow pad and went to every fan to get our names and addresses. That's actually how the 334 Club came about. They then sent out a letter thanking everyone for coming. They said they were going to send everyone souvenirs and tickets. And they did. We got a scarf and a shirt and a badge. It was like we were in an official club, end quote. Indeed, each of the 334 who showed up that night would later receive a pin, a t-shirt, and tickets to the next Devil's Flames game, (laughs) or the closest game to that one-year anniversary. On the 25th anniversary of the game, members of this exclusive 334 club were invited to a game and a private reception. So how did it end? For starters, the Devils players and fans in attendance enjoyed a 7-5 Devils win, so they got a lot of goals, their home team won, and the Devils formed that 334 club to honor the diehards, as well as a bond that remains to this day. So what happened? A warm moisture laden low coming up from the Gulf Coast is making its way straight north and into the south and then up the Atlantic coastal states. As it collided with the cold arctic Canadian air that was sweeping down as part of a diving clipper, all that moisture was instantly converted to heavy snow that fell at a rate of up to three inches or over seven and a half centimeters per hour. It was more than enough to throttle traffic, close schools and airports, businesses, and send suddenly panicked shoppers to misguidedly and irrationally raid stores for supplies. The storm, while still in the Gulf, was primarily influenced by the clash of the hot and moist within the warm sector over the Sunshine State, and that triggered severe thunderstorms across Florida, and tornadoes touched down early in the day at Port Ritchie, Crystal River, and Tampa. But on the backside of that low, it was all snow. It fell early in the day in Mississippi, Alabama, Kentucky, the Carolinas, Virginia, and DC, not to mention, of course, our feature presentation, New Jersey. Speaking of Jersey, let's get back to the game that was affected by the storm. The scheduled start time was 7.30, but that was pushed back nearly two hours because there was basically not enough people to either ice two teams, let alone have enough officials on the ice to officiate the event. Arena staff and crew were also really thin as well. There were simply too many trapped on the roads. There were abandoned cars all over the place, so some players, including New Jersey's Doug Sullivan, needed to get creative with how they got to the rink. And in an article in The Hockey News, this is the story he told, I quote, I couldn't get on the regular westbound highway, so what I did was get on the off-ramp and backed up on the eastbound side and I drove in reverse for three miles, weaving in and out of parked cars all the way to the rink, end quote. I have a feeling he's safe by some statute of limitations from any penalty for admitting to that cannonball run stunt maneuver that happened this day in weather history tomorrow's january 23rd and for this we'll be talking about capital punishment no fooling that's tomorrow on this day in weather history with me your host chris may